Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Unshakable. That's all I'm saying. Now let's move on. So his name is Daniel. Daniel. He's 15 years old. He's taken away from his family, his homeland. He's taken away from his place where he worships God. Uh, He is not going to return. For 70 years, he's going to be in Babylonian captivity, and yet God used him. God would put him under a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And for three years, as we saw last week, uh, Daniel and his friends are indoctrinated in the college of Babylon. Uh, They are taught to speak Babylonian. They are... uh, They change their wardrobe. They can't wear the clothes that they wore before. They want them to eat different food. They want them to believe in the gods, lowercase g, gods of Babylon. And they are doing this without adult supervision. They're taken from their parents. Just think about a 15-year-old kid taken from Lompoc, brought to a foreign land, and told not to believe anything that they've ever read in the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book. For me, I stand. Boy, I got to tell you, 8 o'clock service, most of our retired people, they knew all these little songs. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. I'm in right out, right up, right down, right Happy all the time. I'm in right out, right up, right down, right. Happy all the time. I can't believe I'm singing this song. No. Since Jesus Christ came in and cleansed my heart from sin, I'm in right out, right up, right down, right. Happy all the time. And we were at camp. We used to sing, I'm in right out, right up, And you sing it really fast. I am a C. I am a C-H. I am a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N. And I have C-H-R-I-S-T in my H-E-R-T. And I will L-I-V-E-E-T-E-R-N-A-L-L-Y. <laughs> and then we'd get it so fast where like live eternally was all the world. And, and uh, you know, that was great. And then the Lord told Noah to build him an arky arky. Lord told Noah to build him an arky. Build it out of clay and barky barky. Children of the Lord. So rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Only those of you that are singing it or humming it, you went to VBS as a kid, right? The Lord told to build an arky, arky, and then he said the animals, they came on. They came on by twosies, twosies. The animals, they came on. They came on by twosies, twosies. Elephants and kangaroosies, roosies, children of the Lord. So rise. And at the end, no, no, no. At the end, it rained and poured for 40 daisies, daisies, rained and poured for 40 daisies, daisies, nearly drove those animals crazy, crazy children of the Lord. If you get to heaven before I doozy, doozy, you get to heaven before I doozy, doozy, tell those angels, I'm coming toozy, toozy, children of the Lord. Okay, now, now, no, no. Now, why did I sing those songs? I don't know. (laughs) Except to say that Daniel and his three friends were indoctrinated first and foremost in the Jewish faith. 
Uh, they knew about Noah and the ark. They, they knew about the B-I-B-L-E. They understood the scrolls that talked about there is no other God like our God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are to be worshipped. And now they're plucked away. 25% of Israel is taken into Babylonian captivity. And if you were with us, we found out that they only took the beauty, the brains, and the brawn. They had to be strong athletically. They had to be beautiful. They had to have great brains and IQs and aptitude. But what we learn by Daniel's life is uh, something that Proverbs, Solomon tells us, Proverbs 17, 3, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Yeah, before God can really use you, he's going to test you. Before God can promote you, he's going to test you. Before every blessing, you can write this down, there's always a testing. I've never found it any other way in my life, in my leadership, in my family. See, the Lord tests the heart to see what you're made of. Somebody says, well, where do you get that? Well, Jesus said, if you're faithful with little, I'll give you much. So he gives you a little bit of influence. He gives you a little bit of resources. He gives you a little bit of, uh, of uh, you know, income or whatever. And then God says, let's see what you do with it. It's like a lady who told me, she said, someday if I win the lottery, Pastor, you call me up. I said, why? Because I'm going to be generous then. I said, no, you're not. You're not generous now. See, if you're generous today, when a windfall happens, you'll be generous then. Come on. If you're an encourager now, you'll be an encourager always. You'll work on encouragement. You'll, you'll build those things up of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.4, I love what the, the Apostle Paul says. He said, we speak God's message because God tested us and trusted us to do it. When we speak, we're not trying to please people, but the God who tests our hearts. So in other words, we have some higher power, and we know who he is. That's God. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so we want to make sure that he's pleased in all that we say and do. Interesting side note, Daniel. Daniel's able to see visions and interpret dreams. And only Daniel and the apostle John are given the prophecies about end times. They are told what's going to happen in the future. Actually, Daniel in the book of Daniel, in the B-I-B-L-E, uh, talks about the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire, things that would actually happen later, God gave to him and spoke to him. Just think about that. So God tests us, here's another one that you want to write down, with stress before he trusts us with success. Anybody say, I've lived that? Yeah. He takes you through things before you actually emerge victorious and more powerful than you were before. So this three-year indoctrination is to wipe out any memory of Israel and the God of Israel from their minds. Get rid of that. One of the things that they do, you'll remember we talked about it a few weeks ago, they change their name. Hmm. Now, what, what is, what's the big thing that, that Daniel should be called Belteshazzar and the other Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What's the big deal? Well, in Jewish culture, your name meant a lot. But let me tell you what Daniel's name meant. In the Hebrew, it means God is my judge. 
The name Belteshazzar means Bel protects me. Bel was one of the gods, lowercase g gods, that the Babylonians worship. So let's get, a, get rid of your name. God is your judge. And let's put this name on you. Bel, an idol, protects me. Bel was a pagan, phony, fake god of Babylon. Then Hananiah, his name in the Hebrew means God is gracious all the time. And he was renamed Shadrach. Shadrach was the god of the moon. So in other words, get rid of the fact that God is gracious. You're going to be named God of the moon. So if you, Shadrach, come over here. God of the moon. God of the moon to remind you. So be careful what you name your kids, right? Yeah, I won't tell you. There was a name a kid had, and they looked it up in the dictionary, and they actually changed the kid's name because it meant something really bad. So be careful. Be careful. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, okay? Uh, Mishael was actually his name, Mishael. And the name Mishael means who is like our God. There's no God like our God. And they changed his name to Meshach, which was the fertility God in Babylon. So here's what the culture was trying to do. And today we're going to talk about what do you do when you're pressed or pressured to try to conform to the world's way. Daniel 1 verse 5, the king ordered that young men should eat the same food and wine served at the king's table while they were being trained. After that, they were to become servants of the king of Babylon. Yeah, but Daniel resolved, now watch this, Daniel resolved not to defile himself by eating the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself in this way. Hey, big deal, come on. You're at the king's table. The king had the best food in the land. Now, we did do some study on this and found out that the king's food was filled with lots of fat content. The best fat, by the way. And probably pork belly, pork shoulder, come on. And lots of sauce. Probably some Twinkies with gravy, I don't know. But just imagine you're 15 years old, you have no parental guidance, you're at the king's table, you can eat whatever you want. Now, why is it important? Well, they had kosher laws to follow. Some of you know about kosher laws, right? Uh, uh, the kosher people, not, not all Jews are kosher, but those Orthodox Jews are kosher. By the way, they have two sets of plates in their house. One for milchstick and one for flystick. You can look this up later. One for meat products, one for dairy products. You don't put the same on the plate. You don't put a piece of meat and cottage cheese on the same plate. Nope, nope. That's meat and that's dairy, okay? And in a real kosher home, they have two dishwashers. Not to be impressive or fancy, but they wouldn't even allow those dishes to be washed with the other dishes from milchstick or flystick. They might know, what? what does he know about this? Well, remember I was raised in Judaism. And some of my family was kosher. And uh, except my uncle, God bless him, he, he's, he's long gone from the planet. Uncle Herman was kosher, except he liked bacon. <laughs> so he used to say, we're getting a little lox, a little bagel, and a little bacon. It was great. It was kind of good. Uncle Herman, he doesn't supposed to have bacon. Shh, don't tell the rabbi, he used to tell me. So I said, okay, it's cool. As long as you give me some, I can be bought, you know. And so that was great. 
But listen, it's more than health reasons. Now, however, if you follow the kosher dietary laws, I mean, there's some good stuff in there. Like I know some of you like to eat crustaceans. You like lobster and all that stuff. You know what a lobster is really, and by the way, I think lobster is just fantastic. Uh, uh, but you know what a lobster is, right? It's a scavenger of the sea. I had a lobster fisherman tell me one time, you know what a lobster is? Pastor, I said, what? It's the pig of the ocean. I thought, great. Now, we all like pork. A lot of people like pork. And uh, porks are scavengers. They eat. What do they eat? They eat anything. Yeah, put a garbage pail out there. The pig's just happy, happy as can be. Now, you might say, okay, Pastor, we don't want a dietary lesson from Leviticus. You're going to mess up our day or our week or our dinner tonight. Well, let me just, just tell you this. Uh, according to dietary law, you only eat fish that have fins and scales. Look it up in Leviticus. It's there for you because they are the healthiest. just thought I'd tell you that. And there's things about animals with hoofs and not with hoofs. And we could spend all day on that, but we're not going to. The most important thing is not just about healthy. It's not just about kosher. It's about the diet that they ate set them apart from the other people. It was God's chosen people. I will be your God. You will be my people. And when you went around uh, the, the, the culture, you saw, oh, they, they eat differently. That's because they follow God, capital G. And Daniel says, I will not defile any of this. By the way, the Daniel plan, one of the most successful diet programs, by the way, sold more than any other uh, plan uh, the Daniel plan, and we've actually had classes here. We're going to have them again uh, soon. Came out of this book, the book of Daniel. So it was a spiritual attack on Daniel's identity. And why is that important? Well, we're going to give you the first point. Here's what Daniel made sure he had. Number one, integrity. And part of that is this. You never forget who you are. And Daniel in the land of Babylon, sitting at the king's table, 15 years of age, no parental guidance says, I refuse to eat that because it will defile me. Daniel never forgot who he was. Now, many of you remember, and I preach this a lot, so sorry for repetition, but I think it's so important today where people are trying to conform us into the world's mold. Uh, Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. See, we get derailed and sidetracked when we forget who we are and whose we are. So I say this a lot. When Jesus was tempted, his number one temptation was at his core of identity. If you are, the devil said, if you are the son of God, Command these stones be made bread. And many of us remember that just before that, before the 40 days that he fasted in the wilderness, he was baptized and the heavens opened up and God said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the first thing the devil says, if you are the son of God. So when God speaks a blessing to your life or God gives you a promise out of the B-I-B-L-E, the book for me, right? And you claim it to your life. The first thing the devil's gonna do is say, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Now, I won't take long to tell this, but I still remember the day that I sat my dear son on the edge of the bed. He was about to ride the big yellow bus to Vandenberg Middle School, sixth grade. That's when it was sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Our middle schools were the three, three grades. 
And I simply remember speaking to him. I said, do you know who you are? And he said, no, he's going into sixth grade, right? Do you know who you are? Like, Dad, am I in trouble? No, do you know who you are? He said, yeah, I'm Brian. I said, that's right. And what's your last name? Fetterman. I said, let me tell you about the Fettermans. So I gave him this whole dissertation about the Fetterman clan, both sides, you know, right? And how you don't want to disrespect the name, right? Then I said, by the way, uh, where do you go to church? He said, Foursquare. He said, yeah. I said, who's the pastor? You are, Dad. I said, good. So you're a Fetterman and you're Foursquare. So when you go to that big yellow bus and you go to that big school out there called VMS, just remember something. You represent all the Foursquare people. Whoo! That's a hefty responsibility on a kid about to go into sixth grade. And I said, the third thing is you're a son of God. You've asked Jesus to be your Savior. Yep. You believe in that? Yep. Then you need to be faithful. You're Fetterman, Foursquare, and faithful. And he, and he goes, Dad, I've got one more F. What is it? You're freaking me out. I said, okay. <laughs> I get it. I get it, son. And I said, by the way, Brian, I want you to know a couple of things. I'm pretty close to God, and sometimes he whispers in my ear. So if you do something, he's probably going to tell me. <laughs> and if that's not enough, I know a lot of the sheriff department. I know the, the Vandenberg Security Forces. Come on. I know Lompoc PD. I know the county firemen. I know Lompoc City Fire. I said, I got it. They're going to call me before the principal calls me. He goes, Dad, I better not mess up. I said, right, 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 right. But the point of that little meeting on the end of the bed that night was to affirm his identity. And listen, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a guardian, remember this. You look in the eyes of your young person and you say, do you know who you are? You belong to God. God made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't be down on yourself. Don't be discouraged. Don't look in the mirror and say, I'm not all that. Or don't look in the mirror and say, I'm ugly. Or I'll never amount to anything. Stand prideful and know that you belong to God. And don't conform to the pattern of this world that tries to tear us down that tries to devalue people because of the color of their skin or because of their economics or tries to devalue them because of their GPA. Listen, you know who you are and don't let anybody mess with your head to where you start having stinking thinking. That's why he says, renew your mind. Think differently. And when you do, then you're going to know what the will of God is for your life. There are two choices in life. You'll be conformed by the world or you'll be transformed by God. Either way, and I got to tell you, I, I don't, I haven't, you know, lived a, a long time. I'm not very old, only 62 uh, years young. And, and here's what I know. I don't think there's another time in my lifetime where the world's trying to get us to conform to their way. And that's where we have to stand strong in who we are and the integrity of who we are. And here's what I want you to know. If you came to church to get beat up today, you're in the wrong church. Ephesians 1.6, God has made us accepted in the one he dearly loves. And that's our lesson. We're accepted. We're accepted. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you are the ones chosen by from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. 1 Corinthians 7, 23, you've been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. You should sit yourself on the end of the bed and say, who, are, who am I? I belong to God. I've been accepted by him. I once thought when I first got saved that God had no choice. For God so loved the world. And I, I was 
wrestling with insecurity in myself at 14 years of age, and I thought, oh, I know why God had to save me, because he said he loved the world, and I'm in the world, therefore. No, God was glad to save me. He actually rejoiced. He was knocking on my heart's door. And when I came up to the, the kingdom, not the pearly gates, but I came up to the kingdom of God and said, I believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, there was a party. You know what the Bible says? All of heaven celebrates when one person, just one person, gives their life to Christ. All of heaven celebrates. Heaven was really partying that day when Bernie Fetterman came into the kingdom. At first, I wasn't too sure of that, but now I'm sure of it. And I think heaven still celebrates. Right now, they're going, help the boy. He's got to hurry up and preach because he's keeping the people too long. Okay, number two, discipline. He controlled his ego and his appetite at the table. 15 years of age. You're going to be given the best education. That's what Babylon gave him. You're going to be indoctrinated into our culture. You're going to be 15 years old, again, without your parents, man. Eat, drink, and be merry. Eat those Twinkies, whatever you want, man. Just go for it. You know what happens sometimes to young people if they don't have a good grounding and don't know who they are and whose they are? Well, I've seen it in athletics where young people are just, they're so skilled and so gifted that they're given a great promotion and sometimes a great salary really young. And I've seen some from our own town that have just done so well. I think of uh, Julian Arroyo uh, now playing at the you know, top level in soccer. And I think of some of our great people like Danny Duffy. And I think of uh, one of our great stars and dear friend of mine, Napoleon Kaufman. And, and, you know, sometimes they just turn out really, 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 really good. And sometimes not so much. They get all this prestige and all this accolade. And then you can hear of a Heisman Trophy winner who wins the Heisman Trophy and a couple years later is in the NFL and gets kicked out because of bad behavior. So Daniel was somebody who was grounded at an early age. However, his parents, we don't know anything about them. We don't even know their names, but I can tell you they did a great job between 0 and 15. They raised him in the ways of the Lord, the nurture and admonition of God. And so Daniel says in verse uh, 8, he made up his mind not to eat the food and wine given to them by the king. Uh, he was stubborn and bullheaded. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you to respond. Well, you better not. Do you know anybody stubborn or bullheaded? Because they might be seated next to you. So got to be careful here, right? Listen, if you're stubborn and bullheaded, use that for God. In other words, use it to stand your ground. So when you feel like getting off center, you feel like drifting away, you say, nope, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord, boom, we're planted, we're planted firm in the things of God, and that's what happened to him. Hey, Romans 6.13 says, do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness used for sinning. Instead, give yourself what? Completely to God. By the way, we don't need to get saved every day. Once we've given ourselves to Christ by faith, we're saved. But every day, I think we should give ourselves completely to God. Hey, Lord, this brand new day, I'm going to give myself completely to you because I want to be a tool in your hands for your purposes, your good purposes, to be used by you. I want to be committed to you. And that's the heart of what Daniel has. The third thing we see is courage. He's going to stand alone. He's willing to stand a few years ago, I met the author of this book, The Daniel Dilemma, that I've been reading, and 
getting some great truths for our series from. His name is Chris Hodges. Um, I met Chris, and we had some time to share together at a Foursquare conference. He was the main speaker that night, and he was fabulous. And I was a, a quick talk presenter. They gave me 10 minutes. So he got an hour, I got 10 minutes. Thanks, buddy. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's the pastor of the Church of the Highlands in Alabama. His main campus is Birmingham. The, their network of churches in Alabama uh, equal 45,000 people on a weekend. Whew. But in his book, he talks about this. He talks about convictions. And here's what he says. Convictions are all about the choices that we make before we're challenged. See, if you wait to the test to figure out what your convictions are, if you wait to the test to find out what your morals are, it's too late. You need to have those convictions written in stone in your heart. Faith is our ability to act on our convictions when we're tested. Whenever our faith is tested, we must choose whom we will serve. Sometimes people pray when crisis comes. Oh, I'm praying, Lord, help me. And the Lord says, where you been? I haven't seen you in a long time. Well, Lord, I was here the last time I had a crisis. See, I think we need to be prayed up before the test comes rather than praying when the test comes. Be, 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 be prayed up. And so in our lives, we have our convictions and we've got to keep them strong and solid or we'll veer off the track. I've done it. You've done it. See, what made this even more difficult was he wasn't the only Jewish boy in the program. So what we can infer from the text is there were probably other Jewish boys who said, hey, I'm going to eat whatever's on the table, but not Daniel. I'm going to make sure that what I do is, is right and righteous. I have convictions of who I am and whose I am, and I'm going to have courage to stand even if I stand alone. Now, sometimes uh, we are tempted as Christians to uh, conform to the majority. You know what I know about the majority? The majority is not always right. You can have a bunch of people say, this is now right. It used to be wrong. It's now right. And we vote for it. And it's the majority. And guess what? The majority could be wrong. Am I right? Okay, good. Woo. The majority could say the B-I-B-L-E is no longer the word of God. 78% could say, the majority, the B-I-B-L-E. But guess what? I'm still going to be singing. That's the book for me. All right? I'm still going to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody could say, well, you shouldn't worship God anymore. They could come against the church. We need to close all the churches down. Now, there's been uh, uh, attempts over the years uh, to shut down churches from being uh, nonprofit that uh, you can't have any more tax exemptions as a church. And there's also been people that have pressed for your donations to nonprofit organizations, not just the church. If you give to uh, Boys and Girls Club or YMCA or you give to good organizations, that you shouldn't have a tax write-off. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep being generous. If there comes a day that the IRS says you can't write that off anymore, I'm going to still be generous. Why? Because God keeps better books than the IRS. That was really good. By the way, that was really good. Yeah. No, God, God, keeps, God keeps better books. 
There's nothing you can do that God doesn't notice. If you're kind to your neighbor, you help somebody who can't help themselves, you buy somebody a cup of coffee and just bless them with that, you help somebody with their yard work, you help a, a single mama with uh, child care, give her a night out and say, hey, we're going to watch your kids tonight. You go out and get your nails done or whatever. I mean, wow. And God says, bing, bing, bing. You're setting yourself up for blessings. Exodus 23, 2 says, never follow the crowd in doing wrong and don't be in your testimony by the mood of the majority. Boy, and have you ever noticed the majority can change its mood real quick? Yeah, just go to some kind of protest and watch what, how people respond and react and how they change if something goes a different way or somebody yells something out. I mean, things can happen that, that quickly. So you make sure your convictions are strong. Stand true, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, to what you believe. Be, be courageous and be strong. Huh? We need to look in the eyes of each other, not just kids on the end of the bed, but each other say, hey, you be courageous. You be strong. You stand your ground. You keep your faith. And number four, humility. He was gracious and tactful. See, when it came to not doing what he was asked, eating the food, he was very tactful and very humble. And, and, and the way that Daniel made his appeal to King Nebuchadnezzar and the authorities shows his respect. There's a way to approach authority with respect. And he knew that God had allowed this pagan leader who wasn't a Christian, who wasn't a godly man, but he knew that God had allowed him to be under him, so therefore he saw himself as serving God, not just Nebuchadnezzar. So he comes to him, and he's humble. By the way, write this down. I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. Just pause for a moment and think about the times where you, I put my hands up, and I have been abrasive, and we lost the value of our point or our argument because we were abrasive. Yeah. Uh, somebody said, if you're going to shoot an arrow at somebody, first dip it in honey. There you go. Oh, all right. That's why I'm glad somebody said it. I didn't say it. Somebody said it. So Daniel 1 Verse 8, 16, 18, and 19, then Daniel asked the chief official for permission to eat other things instead. Notice, he didn't say, I'm not doing that. I belong to God. I'm not going to fall off. No. He asked for permission to eat other things instead. Now, God had given the chief official great respect for Daniel, and Daniel had great respect for the chief official. And he said, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who ordered that you eat his food and wine, and if you aren't as healthy as the others, I fear the king will cut off my head. This is big stuff. So next, Daniel talked it over with the guard appointed to look after Daniel and his three friends, and Daniel offered a suggestion. Just test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Sounds good, doesn't it? Vegetables and water. Whether or not to let us continue eating our diet. So the attendant agreed to try Daniel's suggestion. I hmm. wonder how often we've tried to get somebody to go to our side and we pressed them too hard, we were too abrasive. How about saying, 
could I make a suggestion? Hmm, that's a different approach. And at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked healthier and better nourished. Their skin color was glowing. They had less acne. Oh, I'm reading that in, sorry. Than any others. They're 15 years old, remember? On the king's training table. So after that, the guard let them eat their own what? Food. When the three-year training program was completed, all the young men were brought to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, who talked with or interviewed each one individually. None impressed the king as much as Daniel and his three friends. So they were each promoted to positions in the king's service. So he thrives in a pagan culture because God was his God. And he wasn't going to succumb to a secular, anti-God culture. This is the first of his tests, and this is the first of his promotions where uh, we see in uh, his life, and we're going to follow it the next few weeks, that he's not just, just surviving, he's thriving. He's growing in influence. You want to know how you grow in influence? Let me give you another point. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. If you do your job well, come on, leaders will notice and you will serve before kings. When you do your job well, people that are in leadership positions notice. They'll seek you out. They'll want you around. Why? Because people with great responsibility notice people who are responsible. People with great responsibility that have a lot on their plate get it when people come around who are responsible. Uh, There's a young man, I I won't say his name for fear of embarrassment, but it's good embarrassment. I talked to his commander on the base. I said, do you know this guy? The commander said, yes, I do. I said, tell me about him. And the commander bragged about him to me. I said, can I tell you? He's four square. Huh? He's faithful. He loves God, I said. And the commander said these words, and I quote, and it shows. As a colonel, and he says to me, one of the guys, enlisted guys in his unit, he says, and I said, he loves God. And the commander said, the colonel said, and it shows. Wow. That's reputation right there. Now, why? Because he has great responsibility. He's able to see someone under his command that's responsible. We should have the best reputation in the marketplace as followers of Christ. Do you know that? I've actually had people come to me, not about Foursquare people, never Foursquare, but I've had people uh, come to me that have businesses in the community, and they've said this, we don't like to do service for Christians because they always want a deal and they don't pay on time. Really? Yeah. You know what a waitress told me one time? She said, my worst day to work is Sunday. I said, why? Because all the church people come in. I said, really? Are we that bad? Oh, not you. Shoo, thank God. Thank God. But some of the church people come in, and they let their kids make a mess and open all the sugar packets, you know, and get crackers, and, and, and they just make a mess. And then, I'm sorry to say this, this is not about you, somebody else. They don't tip very well, she said. 
As she said one Sunday, no joke, a whole group of church people came in and left me a note. I said, what did it say? You should have been in church today. And she said, Pastor, I work on Sunday because I'm trying to support my family. What do you think? Should I have been in church today? She's asking a pastor if she should have been in church today. But thank God I'm foursquare. Because I said, no, sweetheart, you should take care of your family, and then you should watch us online at night. We record all our services. See? Come on now. And it's free. You go to mylc.com and look up Church Online, and we've got the last sermons for like two years on there. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Woo! Huh? Hey, listen, if you go out to a restaurant, people know you've been to church. They can tell because you look so nice. And when you sit down, say, thank you for serving me. And if you do leave them a note, make sure there's money attached to it. Uh, yeah. I have a friend that goes out. He always writes a scripture on a little piece of uh, a little note card, but then gives a good tip. The Bible's good. The B-I-B-L-E. I tell you that's a book for me. But, but make sure you add some cashola because that's important. All right. You got it? Huh? Good. I'm glad you got it. That's great. So let me end with a couple of thoughts. It's not in your notes. I just want to talk to you for a minute. When the shakedown comes, remember number one, I have Jesus with me. I'm not alone. When the world tries to conform me or press me into its mold, I'm not alone. I have Jesus, and in Jesus, I've been accepted. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And some of you go, I got it, I got it. But listen, hold on to that when stuff gets tough, will you? Secondly, I have the Holy Spirit with me. He's with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, which means I have a totally unfair advantage because God's Spirit's in me. Wherever I go, his Spirit goes with me. That's so cool. I'm not alone. I got Jesus walking with me. I got the Holy Spirit inside of me. I have the promises of God for me, 6,000 promises in the B-I-B-L-E, the book for me. And when I claim those promises, they become mine. And the minute I claim a promise and I say, this is for me, the devil screams from the side. Who do you think you are? Somebody said, well, I'm going to give the devil a piece of my mind. Listen, I'm not going to give the devil nothing. Some of you like to yell and scream at the devil. You go right ahead. I'm too busy to mess with him. You know what I just simply do? I belong to Christ. I'm accepted in Christ, and I walk the other way. You ought to see me spiritually strut, man. I'm big and burly, and I got a washboard tummy. You ought to see in, in Christ, you know. And by the way, I have God's family around me. We should cherish the fact we have brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is with me, Holy Spirit with me, the promises of God are with me and for me, and God's family all around me. Before I pray, I want to end with 2 Corinthians 6. This is good, by the way. You should get this down. Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling around with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that's exactly what we are. Each of us a temple in whom God lives. 
God himself put it this way. I'll live in them and move into them, and I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and the compromise. I'll be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. With promises like this, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Deal? That's a deal. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.